welcome to The After Party, a podcast about lessons learned and shaping the future. I'm your host, Raven Bottlewell. And today I am joined by Jess Lilly. Jess Lilly is a heart-centered leadership coach, partnering with leaders who want to harness authenticity, empathy, compassion, and courage in building their teams and businesses. Hello, Jess. Hi, Raven. It is such a pleasure to talk to you today. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Jess, what are you most excited about now that the world is opening up? Uh, the number one thing, which will not surprise you even a little bit, are hugs. Hugging <laughs> people. I had, yeah, uh, actually this morning I went on a walk with a friend in real life. And when we hugged, I was like, I feel like I'm a hug connoisseur because now I understand all different kinds of hugs and purposes for hugs. When in the past, I just thought they were all hugs. Um, totally not true. There's a whole, there's a whole world of hugs. Um, like what? Can you give an example of what you mean by a whole world of hugs? Oh, wow. I did just open up a can of worms, I think. Um, okay. Different kinds of hugs. So we have hugs that are like, almost like greetings. There's like a greeting hug. That's more just like, okay, we're opening, like we're a close relationship. We're going to open up this hangout or we're going to close this hangout. It's a little bit like operational. It's a little bit like a handshake, but it's a hug. Um, but the kinds of hugs that I've been really loving lately are the hugs that are really to like express affection where you get a little get a little pat in the middle of the shoulder blades, maybe a little extra squeeze, a couple extra seconds. And again, I never, I mean, I always knew that hugs were important to me, but I didn't know how important they were until I spent 15 months not having any, except for me and my roommate. So I've um, been thinking about this a lot. I have been thinking about this a lot. I think so this plus, so hugs again on my mind, but another thing is the spontaneous, just kind of fluid meeting of people in the world. I, you know, every time I talk to a stranger on the street now, which I do like weirdly often, Raven, you know this about me, that I will strike up a conversation <laughs> with anyone anywhere. And I cannot believe how much I miss that. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, and that's not a real hug, but a, a verbal hug essentially from you, Jess, it's striking up a conversation with a stranger on the street. <laughs> that is a verbal hug. I think that's a great way to say it. I am showing my, like, you are a person and I'm curious about you. And, and uh, people like that. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds nice. And, you know, now that you're distinguishing it, I can totally see that. I get what a, you know, the the gradient of hugs out there, right? You, you don't hug people the same way. And and there is something about, you know, now that we're kind of coming out of this, I'm I'm seeing a few people here and there and it is like I I'm hugging people that I don't always hug, you know. My one of my best friends came in um and it it maybe that sounds funny to you, but I don't really hug all my friends this is why you and I we're peanut butter and jelly this is why we I know <laughs> I know I know but she walked into my house and I was like oh my god it's been fr and I went can I can we can we hug <laughs> she's like yeah <laughs> and so, so? We hugged, but 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you're pointing to another, I know all, like a lot of our conversation is just going to be about, you know, this whole after time. And I think what you're pointing to is another aspect of this after time, consent. consent. Hey, is it okay if I hug you right now? Yep. What a world. We're actually like giving people options. Right. What a world. I mean, in, oh, we could go on and go on and on and on about this, but you know, you, we're, we're here today not to talk about hugging. Although Shut. now I'm questioning the choice. Of topic <laughs> good Lord. Um, well, we're here because you have a lot of experience in working with clients that are in career transition or, or looking for new jobs. And I, I I was thinking about that, you know, in as far as the aftertimes go, the pandemic really did a number on the jobs market. What did you notice from your interactions with your clients um, about how the pandemic impacted that? Yeah, so I, one of the biggest impacts of the pandemic on people's, how they hold their careers, at least the clients that I've been talking to, is that, you know, people who thought that they were in a steady, secure, um, you know, smooth road, realized that it was kind of a wake-up call of how unpredictable things can be, whether it be, you know, the most dramatic example possible, this pandemic, um, but really how industries change so quickly and how even just you know, the way that some work cultures are, people are, you know, seen as kind of replaceable. So I think the one of the biggest changes that I saw was that people were seeking out coaches because they are understanding, oh, I'm actually the only person who is going to really have my back here. <laughs> like I really have to lead my own career. I can't really sit back and hope that someone else above me takes care of me or, or ensures my promotion or ensures that I will, that it will be a meaningful and, you know, safe kind of experience. And so I think there was a lot more people taking things into their own hands and saying, okay, I don't have to do this alone. And, but it's my job to do this. That's really interesting too, because it seems like often we don't think about uh, partnership and you know ownership or responsibility as being one and the same. And you know, you're suggesting that it absolutely is. It isn't just you know I can do this with everybody and have no control or take you know no responsibility for what's happening. And it's also like responsibility doesn't mean that I'm an island over here. And nobody can help me. Yeah. And that actually transfers over to also how people were forced to show up in their jobs. Because, yes, people in career transitions have to become, be really responsible for getting the support they need and to um, be very purposeful in how they go about their job searches. But it also applies to people in their roles that went you know, virtual that went, you know, to be at home, because now you can't just hope that you bump into your supervisor and say that offhand thing. And, you know, you have to set up a meeting to give the feedback. You have to set up the meeting to ask for support. You have to, you know, everything has to be kind of like, you know, the hugs and the, and the seeing people on the street. You can't just 
lean back and and take for granted that you're going to have some kind of interaction that will lead to a result. There's a lot less hoping and sitting around and a lot more, oh, I have to get up and take action and request this and set it up for myself. Yeah. Yeah. That that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I have talked to a couple clients as well that are like, oh, we don't have a water cooler anymore, you know, and, and I want this water cooler experience. So how do we create that? And, you know, it does seem like, and this is totally anecdotal. So you tell me what you you've noticed, but it does seem like going online or going virtual cuts out time for that kind of stuff. Like I, I don't know about you, but my meetings have been great. If this one ends at two, that one starts at three, you know, and and we don't have a lot of interaction time otherwise. Has, have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, one of the themes that came up for me, you gave, you know, this whole topic has, has really gotten, gotten my wheels turning. I think that another impact to what you're saying is really recognizing how we are human beings and not machines. <laughs> like the the translation of things at work to things at home and putting meetings like that back to back and having this expectation that we can cut the human parts out because there isn't literally a hallway that people have to walk down <laughs> and it's it's there's something that um that's probably one of the bigger conversations I've had with people in what are the standards they're expecting of themselves? A, are they not even realistic for like a human being because there's this standard that everyone should be like robots going back to back to back to back to back in Zoom meetings? Like I've t- a friend of mine told me she did like 15 Zoom meetings in a day. I'm like, what is that? How could that be? How did you did you just say three words to each of these people? Um, so one <laughs> is like the standards and the expectations that people are holding themselves to. Um, and the second piece is, you know, again, advocating for yourself. Like, again, I, I know clients that were like, I couldn't even have time to go to the bathroom because I was doing this. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, this, yeah, we can't, we can't expect people to not go to the bathroom. It doesn't work. No. Well, (laughs) I hope, I hope that's not the expectation. Yeah. But you know, the looking at it this way of we kind of automatically went to work, 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 work. Whereas a lot of times I think when in the before times, at least we thought about working from home as the all access pass to do anything but work right? Nobody would be at all productive and life would be distracting. And so it seems like we really swung the other way of how, how much can I prove myself? How productive can I possibly be? And what I keep hearing in your, in your speaking about this is that it's really been a time for people to figure out what their needs are at work. You know, do they need the water cooler time? What you know, what in the hell is this 15 Zoom calls or 15 meetings in a day? Let you know, even if we are back in person or that that person is is back, you know, in person, does do 15 meetings a day work for them? Is that okay? You yeah. know, even if we are face to face anymore. 
Yeah. And I also think that there's, you know, um, so of course, as coaches, we're, we're talking to individual human beings. <laughs> That's our gig. I mean, a lot of the time, not always. Um, but it also starts, it's, you know, I think that another consequence of COVID is that zooming out that happens of, you know, hey, you know, this looking around at working conditions for people in all different kinds of jobs, not just jobs that people can then start working from home, but all of the, you know, like grocery store clerks and folks who had to really put their lives at risk um, and saying, yeah, why, you know, just why do things work the way they work? And, you know, given that everything was thrown up in the air, it's like, oh, this is all made up. Why don't we make something up that works? Having such a wild, unpredictable, catastrophic thing happen is that everybody's zooming out and saying, oh, all of this is made up. <laughs> like in coaching, you and I are always talking with people about the stuff that we make up, but all of our collective stuff is also made up. So the idea that um, we can invent something different and better is perhaps more accessible now than it has ever been, I hope. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I love that. Cause some, one of the things that we talk about in coaching is that, uh, time is made up and it's just such a, a huge agreement all over the world about, Oh, well, there are 24 hours in a day and, you know, and everything like that. But we, we all agreed on that at some point long, long time ago. And then we just sort of follow suit, right? We don't often think of that. We had a choice at some point about the 24 hours, so to speak. Um, and, you know, sometimes it does seem like you would have to move mountains, right, to to change some of the stuff. Um, just like looking at the the eight hour workday or, or five, uh, five day work week and things like that, that it wouldn't take, you know, a uh, force of nature to contend with it. But really, when we think about it, isn't that what COVID has been, a force of nature? So what have you found, you know, with, with the people that you're talking to, and maybe even in your own experience, Jess, what are the things that, um, that maybe worked or that you reflected on or your clients reflected on that you want to take into the aftertimes? Yeah, I think some of the things that worked one thing is, this is, I think this is, might just be me speaking from my experience more than um, speaking on behalf of my clients or anything, but there's this, you know, pressure to do a lot of um, at least social things and professional things out of obligation like there's some kind of contract, like all these agreements, all of these unspoken agreements of you show up and you do this in person for this purpose. You fly across the country for a bachelorette party. You do, I mean, there's a lot of things that were, you know, at least in my bubble and in my lived experience were expected. And now I think there's this, no, really what, like, what do I say? There's more of a, authentic, connected to what really matters to, to me. Um, and I'd say another thing that really works for people is 
I, I think people being forced to be the leaders of their own careers works. I think people kind of had had some illusions going on before COVID that, oh, well, it's just inevitable that I'll get this promotion or it is, you know, they're, it's up to them. I I'm waiting around for them to, you know, make sure that I have X, Y, and Z. And, and so this shift in responsibility away from external forces, you know, it's kind of ironic because yes, there are some external forces that really take power away and like, like this, you know, really unpredictably, but that actually puts in stark contrast, the things we do have a say over. It's like, oh, well, I definitely don't have any any control over COVID. Well, aside from my own safety precautions, vaccination, wearing a mask and all that. But I do have control over whether I say yes or no to this, you know, work assignment or I, I and how I do it. I mean, you and I work are on a team together. And I think that being you've watched me grapple with, you know, some of the automatic behaviors I have with my work and, and it's, it's just a big wake up call to say, no, there's, there are things that you have control over. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with just how you said that of, well, I can't control COVID and then you automatically (laughs) went, except this and this and that. (laughs) And it is, it is so interesting when we start looking at it that way, because there's always something, right? Well, I can't control, you know, the, if the sun sets in the wet, you know, I don't know what it is, but I can't control this. And then ultimately it is a, yeah, but I can control how I respond to this, how, how, you know, I, I keep thinking about that with, with COVID and reopening and everything like that. And, um, looking at, uh, gosh, I went to, I went to a store yesterday, which hmm. is, yes, you did. I Look did. at I you go. Hide. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, inside a store and uh you know dc where where we are has just lifted all sorts of restrictions recently and um there was a sign that said masks are recommended if you haven't gotten the vaccine we recommend that you should wear the mask and i thought oh my gosh like i'm i'm here wearing a mask in the store even though i'm totally vaccinated and people are going to think that I'm not vaccinated and I'm vaccinated, but I, I still have that. Hey, Raven, calm down. Who cares? This makes you feel more comfortable at this juncture. Maybe in a month from now, you won't feel, you know, that you need to do that. But there was, I, I was immediately mad at the store because, you know, DC has lifted restrictions and masks aren't required anymore. And it, and it was just one of those, wait, wait a second. Yeah, you're right. I can't control the store, but I can control my response to it. You know, I can still wear my mask. I can say to hell with anybody that thinks that I haven't gotten a vaccine. I don't care. I am here for the applesauce. Thank you very much. <laughs> or whatever. I will get my applesauce, damn it. Yes. And I don't care what you think of me. Yes. Um, But so there's always something that is in our, is in our control. And back to what you were saying earlier is, is ultimately our responsibility, our personal responsibility. Yeah. I think that you're, you also pointed to the power of what we project onto others. (laughs) Oh no. 
oh no, these people. And, and how we just reinforce these things by, you know, making them more true by putting them back on other people. And we're all kind of doing that to each other. And so if we have the, you know, the mindfulness or the courage to just, you know, take action in the thing that that's most in integrity with ourselves, that's, you know, and if everyone did that, you know, who knows, who knows what that would look like? I mean, how many choices, like only, only the person, like only I can know for myself, whether the, I'm making the choice to appease what I view as the norms, or if I'm making that choice, because it's like authentically what I want to do, what it it's aligned with what I want and need, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder about that too, with jobs in the pandemic about how many people put a kind of put a pause on why am I climbing this ladder? Why am I doing this? You know? Um, and, and look, I did that in my own life. I, I took a look of, geez, I climb ladders. Like that's part of just kind of how I was, how, how I grew up, how I was raised. I, I just keep on climbing and I, and I kind of took a look around and went, what the hell am I doing? Do I want this? And you know, the thing is, is that I decided that, you know, in that, in that particular respect that I did, but honestly, my ladder climb looked different than what I thought it was going to. I, I didn't so much have blinders on while I was doing it. Did you come up with, you know, people that were climbing a ladder or were kind of just clocking in day in and day out and went? <laughs> yeah, actually it's funny. It made me, it, it, it made me laugh because I always felt a little bit like uh, the black sheep of my, you know, place where I was raised, where there was so much, um, yeah, there was just this drive to be, get into the top school, get, get into the top, you know, highest paying, most prestigious career and just go, go, go. And I was, not driven by that at all. <laughs> and, and actually what I was driven by, you know, I think that, you know, I ended up in my twenties, like through the, the kind of first half of my career, I ended up starting and stopping a lot of jobs. Um, and my, of course, my, my mother's response to this was like, well, pick one. <laughs> And just do that for a long time. And the thing I always, the thing I said to her at the time, which whether or not she heard me or wanted to have a response to what she said was I'd rather, I'd rather be at the bottom of the ladder I want to climb. Like I, what I kept noticing is I was, you know, I was following my intuition so there was kind of like a empowered version of this and a like and a fear-based version of this happening at once. Like from an empowered place, I was very much following this thread of who am I and what am I meant to do? Who am I and what am I meant to do? And I had the absolute privilege of being able to pursue those sorts of things because I had that security of I'm never going to, you know, I have a really, um, you know, supportive family. I could always go crash at my sister's house if I was in between jobs. Like I get that that's like a super, you know, that's a, a big privilege um, in our country. Um, 
And so I, from an empowered place, I was really looking for that authentic fit of, hey, this is this role or this place or this project is going to make the best use of my natural gifts. And I, you know, I was, I was a teacher, I was an academic advisor. I, I bounced around to a lot of, in a lot of jobs where I was serving people and helping move them forward, but I didn't know coaching existed <laughs> at that time. And so what I didn't know is that that whole time I was getting closer and closer and closer to coaching. Um, and of course, from a fear-based lens, I was resisting responsibility, I think. In a lot of, I mean, you know, at the same time, it was quite convenient for me to, you know, leave whatever job I was at and and start a new one. That that it was like that, um, you know, the grass is greener, or oh, yeah, over there, that's where my purpose is. It's it's over there. I'm sure I could have gotten a ton of value out of staying at any of those jobs <laughs> that I had in the past. So from a fear based place, I'm sure there was a lot of wacky stuff I was doing, and I also was following this intuitive pull of, you know, what is what is my, you know, what is my calling? It's a little dramatic, but whatever. <laughs> I'm a little dramatic. I, you know, I think that that probably resonates with a lot of people though, of, you know, where's the line between calling and I'm not satisfied or the grass is greener? You know, how do you, how do you choose? Wow. You know, I was just having this conversation about how do you know people, so many people come to me with this. How do I know if it's the right thing to stay or if it's the right thing to leave? That's probably one of the biggest questions I hear during COVID or not during COVID. Mm -hmm. How do I know what's the right choice? And what I lately have been seeing for myself and for my clients is that, hey, Whatever you can't be with <laughs> right in front of you, that's going to be your next breakthrough, whether you do it in this job or you do it somewhere else. <laughs> so it's either going to happen right now or you're going to kick the can for like nine months and then it's going to come up again. So not to not to say that there aren't, you know, that's a little bit oversimplified, but there is this aspect of there's two things happening at once. One yeah, you know what? Your challenges are going to be your challenges, even if you change the scenery. So like, don't be under the delusion that there's some simpler, easier, better thing over there. <laughs> Love, you know, got to remind myself of that sometimes. And then there's this, well, what is it that would, you know, I kind of use the language of, what makes you feel alive? Like there's a lot of different ways to frame it. Like there's, you know, what do you actually yearn for? What makes you feel alive? What, you know, what, um, if you take it out of an intellectual analytical thing, because people are looking for the right answer according to their intellect, according to their very long list of logic, logical things. But if they were to, you know, connect with the 80 year old version of themselves and ask him or her or them, what would they say? You know, there's so many different ways to create that conversation and, and create that decision 
um, that is kind of one of the reasons why people hire a coach is to have a different kind of conversation about that question. Yeah, I totally love that. Um, because you know, either way you can make a, a, you're, you're going to make a decision, right? Should I stay or should I go? Um, I love what you put in though, about either way, you're going to have this breakthrough and it's either going to be now or nine months, 30 years when you're tired or whatever, right? <laughs> you're, you're kicking the can and there's something more to look at. And it really is like, you know, what's the, where do you want to be when you have the breakthrough? Do you want to be here or, you know, and, and also what's next or what's possible once you have it? If you had this breakthrough, would you stay at this job? You know, or, or what's it going to create in your next job? You know, all of those, when you're, when you're having this conversation and, and you just put this out so beautifully, right. It's to have it, it, they, people hire coaches to have a different conversation about this. And it doesn't mean that you're going to do anything different, but it actually becomes a more empowered conversation to, you know, to, to really design the life that you want to, to live and look at, yeah, what, what is next? What would we be talking about if we weren't talking about this right now? Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, the idea of putting down which is the right choice, stepping outside of that conversation and saying, hey, actually, what if we just fleshed out three options? <laughs> what if we flesh them all the way out? Pretend, pretend that you're not even in a job right now. <laughs> pretend that you're sitting, you know, in a really comfy chair with a glass, you know, with a cup of tea or something. And we just flesh out possibilities then look at those, what is most attractive to you? What, what is the, what speaks to you? I mean, there's just so many different channels for, for this, like literally like little knobs on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Just anything that you would like to add as far as, you know, seeking a new job, a career after in the, in the after times now, uh, any advice you have? I, yes, I, my advice for people is, you know, something that you and I just spoke about a little bit earlier is this idea that we're kind of, now that things are more virtual, everyone's cranking things up even more and being more pressurized and how much can I squeeze into this day or work or, you know, and so there's a big pressure to have your job search or your, or your professional development squeeze into that same model of, Oh, I need to churn out, you know, 30 job applications a day because no one gets back to me. My, my advice and my invitation is that people slow way down and do whatever they need, whether that be talk to a coach or talk to, you know, a group, a, a supportive group of, you know, trusted loved ones or, or, you know, join a mastermind or, or do something to shift into a different mindset because generating something from that super pressurized fear-based I'm a robot framework is going to just generate more of the same. And it doesn't allow you the space to really 
look at things from a more relaxed, big picture place. So yes, slow down, talk to people and don't uh, crank out 30 job applications a day. Try to try to not do that. Thanks. That is such great advice. Jess Lilly, thank you so much for being here at the after party with us. Uh, it has been such a blast to talk to you. It has been a delight. Thank you for inviting me to your after party. I'd love to hear what you've learned about yourself through the COVID pandemic. You can get in touch through email at ravenbcoaching at gmail.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook at Raven Bonnewell Coaching and on Instagram at ravenbcoaching. R-A-V-E-N-B-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a favor and give it a five-star rating to help us reach more listeners. The After Party is a celebration of lessons learned. It's hosted by leadership coach Raven Bonnewell and produced by Accomplishment Media.